Okay. Well, while we're waiting for um, other folks to be granted their speaker privileges, um, I'll fill the, fill the air here. Um, we are waiting, actually, for Stacy Hamilton to join us uh, tonight. Um, the topic, of course, is, you know, how are vape shops doing and um, how is that affecting consumer access to safer nicotine products? Um, as many of you might imagine or be experiencing, um, vape shops are having a hard time with, I guess, everything going on. Uh, it's not just uh, FDA regulations, but uh, supply chain issues, um, media hysteria, <clears throat> all the things that, that we've all been experiencing um, over the past couple of years. And um, so we wanted to talk about it and talk to um, some vape shop owners and, and get their perspective on this uh, and what they're seeing in their, uh, in their, their waiting rooms or their lounge areas uh, at the counters outside their door uh, and what they're hearing from their customers. Um, so I don't see Stacy just yet. Hey, uh, really quick. Can, can everybody hear me? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Okay, I got a new microphone, and I just wanted to be sure. We got you. Cool. You actually sound, you actually sound pretty damn good. There's some nice bass to your voice now. <laughs> Dang. I, I picked up a, uh, a $10 set of wireless earbuds from Target. <laughs> nice. Yeah, you sound fantastic. Dope. Cool, cool. Are vape yeah. shops surviving? Well, I'm interested to hear from uh, places outside of New York. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, <clears throat> isn't there about half the amount of vape shops now compared to like what was it, 2016 or something? There, somebody did some had some data on that a while back, didn't they, Alex? Well, I have, um, I was going to get into, we have some, oh, some data from, from the, <laughs> was, no, it's a, it's, it's a good. I was just trying to fill, fill the space while we were waiting for the guests, but I won't jump into that if, if you were going to talk about it already. It's a good lead. And apparently Stacy's here. I may have uh, looked at the, the wrong account. Um, so I, I'm about to send her a message and, and make sure that, that I had the correct Twitter account to send the in, uh, invite to. Um, but yeah, you know, eSig Intelligence uh, shared with us uh, kind of the executive summary of the survey that they did uh, for vape shops, uh, and of course, as as you noted, um, they they managed to to get I think the, the typical number of responses, um, but from fewer, or it was a typical number of stores, but from fewer people uh, this year or for for twenty twenty one, and they actually. Um, noted that, uh, you know, revenues were actually up compared to 2020. Um, and uh, that's explainable, of course, by um, the, you know, coming out of the pandemic and things opening back up. Um, but uh, we'll get into that more. If somebody else wants to, to vamp a little bit, I'm trying to figure out where we can get Stacy's account. I don't see it in here. And we're going to try to figure this out. So give me just a second. Yeah, I, I think maybe it was VTA or something did us did some research a couple of years back, and there was <clears throat> something like the the amount of vape shops at at, at their peak 
have about halved. Um, if anyone... Wasn't it? Wasn't it like something like fourteen thousand vape shops in the U.S. at that point? That's the number that keeps coming to mind. If it's the same, the same time frame that I'm thinking of, I want to say it was something in the realm of like thirteen or fourteen thousand back in like 2016, 2017. The the gold rush era. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 2017 is when I first started vaping, so I came in at the end of and, the gold rush. And and I think regardless of regulation or that you know that climate, I I think we still would have seen some consolidation and shrinkage, just because there it, it was oversaturated at one point. I remember driving through like Tacoma, Washington, and there was like multiple vape shops on the same block. It was nuts. This was back in the heyday, like no twenty. Was I was going to say, correct me if I'm wrong, because it's kind of an era that I missed. But didn't didn't we didn't we see kind of the first mass exodus of of vape shops uh, when the deeming regs hit in 2016? Yeah, wasn't there yeah. a lot of that going on? Yeah. A lot of places kind of consolidated or shut down. Yeah, and just I out of fear of the unknown. The peak happened like 14, 15 around there, from from what I remember, and then uh, the deeming rule really you know, it, it killed it. And so many places just closed preemptively. And I'm sure a lot of them, you know, wish they hadn't now because they didn't realize, you know, how lax FDA's enforcement would be. But uh, I mean, if it, if it's anything like what we saw, you know, going into what, 2019 was it 2019? Yeah. I mean, with the, with the, the national flavor ban, before Trump just kind of settled on flavored pods, we were seeing, uh, uh, it seemed like every other day I was seeing tweets about a, a vape shop closing down. Yeah. I mean, I don't know the exact numbers. I wouldn't shock me if 2016 was even worse than that. No one really knew what to expect back then. Um, the deeming rule had just been finalized. You know, everyone expected FDA to come in and basically, wipe out all the vape shops, you know, any of the new products that's post 8816 product. Um, And so, uh, and so, you know, a lot of people just closed preemptively, but then, you know, ironically, 2017 was like a booming year for, for a lot of people. I was just, yeah, that's the year that I, I started was in August of 2017 is when I, I quit smoking and, and switched. And, if you'd have told me a year ago that there was this massive panic and all these vape shops were shutting down and like the industry was in turmoil, I'd have been like, you're crazy. Like everywhere I looked, like when I got online, it was, you know, an atomizer was coming out every two weeks. There were four new coil heads that smoke was putting out every three days. Like it was wild, you know? Yeah. And I'm sure like the, when we get some vape shop owners in here, they'll give us their experience and I don't want to speak for them, but it definitely seemed like that 2017, 2018 era was kind of like the second gold rush. Like the dust had settled. Everyone realized we're still alive. Uh, The deeming rule happened, but like FDA is not enforcing. So then you had new, new products starting to get pumped out again. And, and it was, uh, it was another boom from, from what I remember. Yeah, there's there's definitely a, a a lot of people here who have been around to see more of that more than I have, 
and I didn't really, I didn't really get involved in, in any sort of advocacy until, uh, until the next spring or so I started hearing more and more about what was going on. Yep. It's, I mean, I've been, I first got really involved in like 20 late 2013, I would say 2013 and then 2014 is when I started my YouTube channel. And so that was like, yeah. the, you know, it's kind of, you're coming in at the peak of like, that's almost like the best it'll ever get. As far as like the community aspect of it, like the, the community, the excitement, um, so many people wanting to quit smoking and, uh, and the products, you know, were really exciting back then too. I mean, it was hard. There'd be a new, uh, atomizer announced and, uh, there would be a waiting list for it or people would just, you know, couldn't, couldn't get it. And so it'd get, you know, people would end up spending way more on some of these higher end uh, products, but it was just a huge, it was like the kind of the glory days of vape. I didn't even live through all of it. Grim would be a good one to talk to about that since he's been around since like Oh eight, Oh nine. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, even in, in 2018, like I was, I was still fairly new to vaping, you know, I'd only been vaping for a year, but, innovation wise like i was still very like ooh, the new shiny thing and like there were really exciting things happening you know within the within atomizers and in mods and just the technology in itself and yeah it was definitely it definitely still felt like this really big booming thing like 2017 like i said even late 2017 me not knowing literally anything about what was going on i would have never known <laughs> you know that 2016 had just happened that the deeming regs had just happened yeah i recovered quite a bit uh yeah fast that, right after that <clears throat> but yeah i uh i, I definitely am, am interested in hearing more about how vape shops are doing because you know without uh without a really without an amazing vape shop here in town for me i think my experience would have been very different you know, it was, I was in the vape shop once I, once I switched, I was in the vape shop just about every other day and I would spend hours there, you know, learning and, and talking shop and, and learning about devices and different coils and, and all sorts of stuff long yeah, before was... I ever got online or got on YouTube or found you or oh. Matt or anybody else, you, you know, you or Nick yeah. or anybody else. It was, it was just every day at the vape shop. Back then, a lot of the vape shops would have lo would have local vape meets as well, and uh, it was it, it was cool. It was like because it was still a fairly new thing, you know. There you didn't you might not have known a lot of vapors, uh, and so you know you'd get together and kind of all geek out about about the newest stuff or what what they're using and, and whatever. I was, was just at a, a vape meet over the weekend in Ohio. I haven't been to something like that for years. Was we had a cloud comp, Matt. We had a cloud oh. comp. Like, I, I hosted a legitimate cloud comp. It was pretty cool. Old school. For those yeah. of you uh, in here right now, we're just waiting on... Oh, here's Alex. Here he comes. <laughs> well, so a little bit of an update. We're having some login issues. Um, we do have a, a couple of shop owners that we did invite to come and, and participate. Um, Stacy, I, I know that you're in here and you're listening, but I still don't see you on our list. Um, Mark, 
uh, we sent you an invite. So uh, whenever you are uh, not handling customers, um, feel free to um, accept the invite and uh, become a speaker. Uh, and we'll talk to you. Um, in the meantime, um, just I don't know that I'm adding much to the current conversation, but I have to admit, I actually have not been in a vape shop for for two years now, at least two years now. Um, I think one of the last times I went into a vape shop was the first time that New York tried to ban flavors. Uh, and I stocked up on a little bit. Um, but other than that, I mean, I've, I've since switched to just snoozing. So I get everything in the mail. Um, but, you know, one of the things that sort of prompted tonight's discussion was getting a message from from our guest who's who's uh, having some some technical difficulties uh, about a, a CBD bill in Alabama. Um, and, you know, I think we've been hearing for years and Matt and Logan, you can, you can add to this uh, if you know something different. Um, oh, we do have a speaker uh, request sent to Stacy if she can get that. Um, uh, but, you know, as, as far back as 2016, I, I know that we were seeing, you know, exclusive CBD stores popping up. And then a lot of folks in um, uh, the, uh, the the vapor space were adding CBD products um, and, uh, you know, in order to, to supplement um, the loss of, of, of being able to sell some other products. Um so I, I, I can only really imagine what a, you know, what a, a formerly like nicotine only kind of vape shop looks like. Um, and I imagine it's not that much different. It just has some you know, cannabis products on there. Um, but uh, anyway, my two cents while I go back to handling some technical issues. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I think a lot of shops have have moved into, um, you know, products outside of just nicotine just for survival or maybe it's something you know owners or whatever we're interested in already um the the two shops here in my town had already started to kind of move that way when i started vaping um and they've both expanded those sections of their store especially because they can't sell uh anything outside of tobacco flavors uh here in the state so you know, they carry a lot of hardware, they carry uh, a lot of different tobacco flavors and things like that there. And then the other parts of their store are Delta A, CBD, um, and things like that. Um, and the shop that I was down in, in Ohio, uh, a good section of their shop as well is, um, you know, uh, dab rigs, stuff for concentrates, dry herb atomizers. It was actually kind of cool to see, uh, a, you know, a lot of his um, either cannabis or, or a CBD kind of stuff was still very focused on, um, you know, atomization or, or, or vaporization as opposed to, you know, just combustion, uh, which I thought was, was still kind of cool, like moving into that space, carrying those products, but still trying to to keep a focus on on vapor as opposed yeah. to combustion well, and over the i remember when shops first started doing that uh, probably 2017 2018 they got a lot of hate for it you know a lot of the vaping purists thought it was bad you know that they were diversifying but it's like hey if you if you got to do that to keep your do doors open that's a lot better than just not having a vape shop not you know taking taking away that access to, to anyone nearby so, I, you know, I, th I think vape shops have had to be flexible and have, have had to kind of roll with the times. And 
and uh, I don't, uh, you know, I, I, I don't slight any of them for having to diversify in any way that, that, that they've needed. The way to. that I always looked at it too, um, and, and I, I've definitely seen a lot of that, that kind of, um, talk about shops like that you know uh oh they're over here they're not just a vape shop oh they're a head shop too or they're this they're that or the other thing but you know back when when i smoked cigarettes um not only did i smoke weed but i knew so many people that smoked weed along with cigarettes and if this was a shop that was gonna to cater to those people as well those people were going to come through the door looking maybe for a new piece of glass and stumble upon nicotine vaping while they're there and I think that's a good thing, you know. It's just another opportunity yeah. for people to 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 have access to the products, to engage with people, uh, to ask questions. So you know, I've I've never I've always kind of taken it that way, as opposed to it being like some kind of bad thing. I think there's pros and cons to it. I mean, again, if it's going to keep your shop open, then do it. But obviously, if you have like some, you know, say there's like a sixty year old kind of conservative per smoker that walks in and sees a, sees a bunch of uh, cannabis products they might they might get turned off by it or something i mean so you're running that risk but if if you got to do it you got to do it and like you said there's also pros where somebody could go in there for a some type of uh, cannabis product and uh, end up you know deciding that they want to try out a nicotine vape as well because they they smoke cigarettes so yeah. it goes both ways yeah it definitely goes both ways yeah yeah, I've just always thought of it as more of a, you know, I always looked at it, I guess, through that lens, just because, you know, that was me. Obviously, I, I, I smoked cigarettes and cannabis for a long time, and so they kind of went hand in hand. And all the head shops that I used to go to in glass shops, you know, there was never any nicotine products anywhere. So I, I think it would have been one of those things for me, at least, just on a personal level, walking into a shop like that, looking for a new piece of glass or something. And then going, oh, hey, what is all this? You know, and that's a great place to start for a lot of people. So to uh, everyone listening, we do have a, Alex is talking with our guests. I think they're having some technical uh, difficulties. But if anybody in here that's, you know, a vape shop owner or works at a vape shop or has something to say about it, feel free to to uh, raise your hand and we can make you a speaker. But for right now, you're just going to be listening to uh, Logan and I fill dead space until this gets figured out yeah i was really <laughs> tempted to uh to compete in said um cloud comp over the weekend but the only things i brought with me were like a little single coil and a an mtl <laughs> and i was like if you guys want to have an mtl cloud comp i'm down but i don't know how riveting that is <laughs> i don't think i've seen a cloud competition since it, probably 2016 yeah no it was cool i mean they still had like a the wall you know with all the meters like all the feet measured out like a huge like ruler on the wall and stuff it was it was it was pretty cool because i i kind of missed out on that era that was the first cloud comp i'd ever been to you know i i never had a an opportunity that's not like something big in this area there aren't really vape meets around here, cloud comps, stuff like that, that, that the shops do. So it was just something I had, I had missed out on. And so it was a pretty yeah. cool experience, you know? Yeah. I mean, it was a big thing five years ago. Yeah. The glory days of vape shops. Definitely a um, different time now. 
surprisingly in my where i live in montana i'm starting to see more vape shops open up we've always had like a couple good ones locally here but uh i'm starting to see even more uh open up it you know i gotta hand it to people that are opening vape shops right now because every time i hear a story about somebody opening a brand new vape shop like in you know 2021 or in 2022 i'm just like good on you like that's uh it's a risky move i feel like maybe i'm wrong there you know i I that's what we're here for the conversation but my gut feeling is like man like it it, you know we're in such you know uncertain times that i mean good good on people opening shops right now but i mean opening any business is risky i mean look at the amount of restaurants that fail you know oh sure yeah i mean absolutely absolutely especially right now you know, not only with regulation, but the pandemic is still ongoing, things like that. Um, also, I'm not 100% certain, but in order to be a speaker on Twitter Spaces, I think you have to be on on mobile in order to speak. Yeah. So, so you have to be on your yeah. phone. Yeah, that's that's what I'm, I'm working out right now. This is this is all my fault for not prep, preparing our guests. Twitter Spaces is, is new for all of us. Um, and I have just taken for granted that folks have been in these and know the rules. Um, so I apologize for the hiccup there. Um, but I hope we'll get this sorted out soon. Listen, for anybody who has ever tuned into a CASA live, dangle clacks <laughs> happen, you guys. And my only response is that CASA is grassroots AF. And so this happens. If we had a bajillion dollar studio and and we could fly guests out to do live shows in person in a studio. You'd still find a way to fuck it up? We'd probably still find a way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, That's the truth. We are moments away from getting this worked out. I promise you. I promise you guys we're much better at running an advocacy organization than we are at Twitter Spaces. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I guess while we're here, I can probably get into some of this this data from um, eSig Intelligence um, that that is interesting. Um, you know, a lot of this is is perceptions, um, and you know what what shop owners are what what they believe you know change uh, people's purchasing habits, and um, certainly uh, you know the lung injury cases had probably the most to do with this. Um, and, uh, one of the, the kind of graphs here breaks this down into media slash fake news. Um, and it's, it's really important to note. I, I don't know if we talked about this, um, on another webcast or, or, um, with our, our previous Twitter space, but, you know, um, one of the things that came up in conversation when the whole lung injury thing happened was Tylenol. Uh, and, you know, for people who don't remember, Tylenol had a poisoning scare, I believe back in the 80s. Um, there was a bunch of recalls and people were not confident in the product anymore. And it took about a decade for Tylenol to repair their reputation. Uh, and it, the, the independent vapor industry never really got that opportunity uh, because as soon as sales started coming back in February of 2020, uh, we all started going down, going into lockdown because of COVID-19. Uh, and so it, it and, and of course, uh, a lot of other misinformation was sort of heaped on top of that with, uh, you know, uh, 
the assertions uh, or claims that uh, vaping would make you more susceptible to COVID-19, which was a talking point that was shopped around the New York state legislature, which eventually led to, this, to the flavor ban here. Um, so, uh, you know, that, that certainly had a huge impact. Um, and, and of course, you know, now I, I think we've got um, uh, 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 Michael Pesco, uh, uh, the economist who who's, uh, some may, may remember or know him from um, sending a, a very thoughtful and impactful and well-researched letter to uh, members of Congress opposing the tax in, in the budget bill uh, last year. Um, is is now uh, working on uh, or sending letters to uh, CDC and other folks, um, I think, requesting, uh, maybe demanding that uh, the name of the lung injury cases be changed. Um, you know, here we are, uh, you know, uh, a year, more than a year later, and CDC has not really come out and affirmatively corrected the record as to what the cause of those injuries were. Um, I think it's, you know, it's hard to not suspect that that's consistent with an overall plan to um, uh, demonize these products and discourage people from from using them, period. Um, And so, uh, yeah, you know, to me, that 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 seems like it would have um, a huge impact on on sales. And and apparently, you know, a lot of vape shop owners um, agree. And now we have. Uh, at least one of our our guests in as a speaker um, to tell us about what he's been experiencing. So, Mark, uh, if you if you're ready, just uh, hit on unmute, and we can ask you questions and talk and do all the things. You just have to unmute. Turn your mic on. There we go. There we go. I was trying. <laughs> I was trying. I had some other screen that had popped up about recording in front of it, and I couldn't get rid of it. All right. (laughs) Um, Well, for those who don't know, Mark Sliss is a vape shop owner in Michigan. Um, And I I actually don't know, you know, is it just the one shop or do you have several? Uh, No, it's correct. Just one. And and how how long have you been running that shop? Six and a half years. Six and a half years. And and I did not start my shop. It was the shop that I quit smoking in myself. I was a customer for a year and a half, and then I bought it. That answered my next question, because, you know, we all know, uh, for the most part, like most of the people working, at least, you know, in the independent side of the vapor industry, all came to this by quitting smoking by switching. Um, so yeah, thanks. And, and I, I mean, a little bit of background about yourself. How long did you smoke and and what was it that finally convinced you to switch to vaping? Nothing actually. Um, I (laughs) really, uh, it was by accident. I smoked for 41 years. Um, I spent the last 30 years trying to quit. And in fact, um, my physician of 25 years, uh, about a week prior or maybe two weeks prior, had suggested that I should perhaps stop trying to quit because it was stressing me out and I'd smoked for so long, it really wasn't going to make a difference at that point, according to him. Wow. And so I was, uh, I I live in a really small remote community and I was walking in our downtown area one day and and saw that a previously empty shop was now uh, in business and just opened the door and, and poked my head in and asked them what they were selling. 
And uh, kid behind the counter uh, saw that I had a cigarette in my hand that I was trying to hold behind my back. And uh, and he said, hey, I see you smoke. Uh, we sell electronic cigarettes. Come on in and let me tell you about them. And 20 minutes later, I walked out a non-smoker. Wow. <laughs> totally by so do accident. You, do, you, do you? Yeah, you consider yourself an accidental quitter? Oh, yeah. I had I had no desire to quit at that point. I, I It had been a long 30 years of trying to quit and failing. I never even managed to go 24 hours. Wow. And I and I was actively trying to quit for 30 years. Yeah. I had uh, a, a couple of ex-wives and my, all of my children begging me to quit, but nothing took. So, um, uh, the, uh, you know, I imagine your, your customers have similar stories. And, and, you know, I've always shared my experiences where... You know, the magic in a vape shop is is just customers talking to one another and, and supporting each other, um, whether they uh, whether they know it or not. Um, and I've seen shots of your store. You've, you've got kind of the lounge area and, of course, a very adorable dog. Um, you know, is that is that consistent with what you see in your own shop? Um, yeah, uh, I am actually putting together a, a talk right now about this very topic and um one of the comments that I make at the end of describing what happens here is uh, when somebody's quitting for the first time and they come in for what I call an, an, the initial session, which lasts um, can last an hour or more. And uh, and I made the comment and I, I just wrote it in today that that um, throughout that process, an hour or whatever, um, all of my other customers are always interjecting comments, suggestions, tips, um, and that goes on in my shop all day long. Um, it's truly a, a, a little community, a subset of our larger vaping community. I was just going to say that's that's that like that vape shop community at work. Yeah. Which is it's just a, it's just such a quintessential thing. I mean, that was one of the things that kept me going back to that vape shop uh, and made me a regular there. It was not only the you know the the employees that were there, but the the regulars that I, I I met so many people just hanging out in that vape shop, and we would all kind of talk shop, exchange tips. You know, somebody struggling with wicking in something here, or maybe they weren't liking these coils in this, or they. We're looking for something with more power here. Not only would you have staff kind of interjecting, but you'd also have, you know, somebody poking their head over going, oh, hey, well, maybe you should try this, you know, and they don't work there. They're just uh, just another vapor in the shop. Um, yeah. And it's so I'm a bit isolated. I actually haven't been to a lot of other vape shops. Um, one, two, three. I've only ever been to four vape shops in my entire life. That's it. And, um, and, and most of those are in small remote communities like mine. And so I don't know what it's like in a larger community, but here in my shop, a, a lot of my customers, they know each other. And in fact, we're brought in by each other. Um, I don't advertise. It's all word of mouth referrals for my shop, 100%, or, or the ones Bernie brings in. But, but everybody tends to, to kind of know each other. And I think are are uh, more apt to speak up and and try and help out folks. 
So it goes on all the time here. Um, and I consider that part of the reason that we're so successful using vaping for cessation is that you are part of a community in the broader sense, but also in a, in a, in a smaller sense within your own shop. At least that's the way what I see here for sure. Oh, I, I agree with you 100% just out of my own experience with quitting was, you know, I became kind of part of that shop community months before I ever got online, before I ever even Googled anything about vaping, um, you know, and, and started interacting with people on Twitter or on Instagram or things like that and kind of, you know, working my way, I guess, into the broader community. Um, yeah, it was it was entirely the vape shop community for me. Yeah, I think it's a big part of our success, and I think it's important too. I think not not only the uh, the, the suggestions and tips and all of that you get, but that um, sense of community I think helps people to quit. Yeah, I mean it. it, it you know, it pulls people and it makes people more comfortable. You know, they're trying something entirely new. This is a technology they don't understand, or maybe their only you know uh, notion of any of this is just maybe stuff they've heard on the news or maybe they have one friend that quit and they go, Oh, I don't know about all this. And then when they start, you know, heading to the vape shop and they start meeting all of these other people and hearing all of these other stories. Oh yes. You know, I think that, you know, that really starts to kind of change their, their view on all of this. You know, if you've got one friend who vapes and then all the rest of your, your, you know, uh, experience with this is, is the, the garbage you hear on the news um you're a little shaky at first you're like well i don't know maybe i'll give it a shot and then when you you know you head to the vape shop and you start hearing other people's stories and how they've quit and how much better they feel and things like that you start to go oh okay well, yes. and then you know when you finally yeah it, it all it all rolls together well a great example today uh, a woman came in uh, to, she thought she might want to quit with vaping she was a little bit on the fence, um, but she sat down and let me explain things and ask questions about her smoking habits and lifestyle and all of that. And I could tell she was a little bit hesitant, but I was just trying to work through the process. And there were a couple other people that came in during that. And as soon as she saw them, she said, uh, did this work for you? Did you quit? And, you know, they both piped up and said, yep, quit on the spot, blah, blah, blah. They gave their personal stories and she looked at me and said let's do this that was just today oh yeah i mean i think so many people right in that situation are just kind of looking for a little reassurance a little more than exactly. you know and, and no offense by it but more than just the business owner telling them they should do this like no offense you, taken you, because that brings up you know, another point uh being an ex-smoking vapor business owner um that helps as well Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it's, they're not just walking in. Right. You're not just walking in and like, well, it's this guy's job to sell me something. Yeah. You know, 100%. when you start hearing people's success stories, you're like, OK, now I really understand why this person wants me to, to buy this. It's not just so they can put a dollar in their pocket. It's so they can legitimately help me. Yeah, I think I think that's important that we have people that 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 are manning vape shops or owning vape shops that are committed to helping people to quit smoking. Super important. Hey, um, I need to mute you guys just for a second so that I can take care of a customer. 
Perfect. I will. Awesome. I'll be right back. So, um, I am still dealing with technical issues here. Uh, we have some requests in for people to speak. Um, and, uh, I think we've got Dave from blue door vaping. James Jarvis is in here as well. And we're still trying to get Stacy on. Um, but, uh, Twitter is being a bit of a pain. Um, so send speaker requests and um, we'll continue the conversation about what you guys are seeing in your shops. I think that's just down at the bottom, right? Request to speak. It's just a little microphone in case anyone can't find it. Okay. I see we got, we got Dave from blue door in here. Hey, Alex. How's it going? Dave? How are you today? <laughs> Long time no. Uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, we, Alex and I have been at this for quite a while. Uh, I opened my first store back in 2013. Um, and at the height of things, I've been up to as many as six stores. Uh, and then uh, gave me volley and all the changes. And I streamlined down. I still have three up and running. But uh, surviving is basically the word. Um you know, they used to be extremely profitable businesses, um, and now they are basically surviving. I was here in Pennsylvania, where 2016 was a, a double hit year for us. Not only did the deeming regulations come out, but uh, so since 2016, we've been paying a 40% wholesale tax on a lot of our products. Um, so that certainly has had an impact along with the drop of sales and the changes that we've seen throughout. Uh, the 40% hit us pretty hard to start out. We probably dropped half of our shops in the state when that originally happened because it came with the floor tax as well. So thankfully, through some creative accounting, I was able to avoid a lot of that challenge. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I was fortunate that I owned a wholesale business. And uh, when October 1st, 2016 came and we owed the state 40 percent of everything sitting on our shelves. Well, it just so happened two weeks we were a week before I had sold my entire inventory to uh, another business, another company for 10 cents on the dollar just so they would buy everything. And then surprisingly, after the first came around, I bought it all back for the price I sold it for. So we paid the state, we took care of them and we got them out of our hair, but things are absolutely challenging these days. I mean, you do not see, and obviously just as the last speaker was talking about, a lot of our business runs off a referral um, and the referrals are way down because of the comfort level with those people that they're referring. You know, when they are seeing day in, day out that vaping can kill people, vaping is harmful for you, vaping is something we need to avoid, it becomes much more challenging to put them into a vaping lifestyle. So have you seen any kind of recovery from, say, like, you know, the middle of a valley 2019 to now, or is it just kind of stayed down? Uh, the middle of a valley 2019, uh, overall, my shop sales or sale, shop sales were down about 40%. Um, at that point, I saw three of my four stores recover to pre-Valley levels, and the one that didn't is one of the ones that I closed that brought me down to three. So I have recovered to pre-Valley valley levels, but in the great scheme of things, I'm a tiny shop. I mean, I do – when we're looking at three stores, 
uh, let's put it this way. With three stores right now, I do less volume than I did with one store in 2013. So it is absolutely a huge challenge to try to keep the bills paid. And that's basically what I do at this point. I've moved on and I'm working in some other businesses and have people that are running my three stores for me. That way I don't have to be dependent upon it for my salary. And my people get paid, my inventory gets ordered, and my customers don't smoke anymore. And that, to me, is what it's all about. I'm going to jump in. We finally got Stacy on here, and, and I'm going to pitch to Stacy here in a, in a second. But I do have to ask, Dave, um, do you still have the shop that's right next to the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office? That is one of the last ones that closed. Um, it was actually right next to the Pennsylvania Attorney General's office and right next to the Pennsylvania Department of Revenue, who was responsible for collecting our 40% tax. And they walked past my store every morning and it took them three and a half years to inspect it, I think. Wow. <laughs> but, but yeah, I mean, we're at this point, the businesses are breaking even. My employees are getting paid. My inventory is getting ordered, but customers are not smoking and that's what it's all about. I mean, I've, I've avoided, I've avoided the salt nicks in my stores. I do not sell salt nicks in any of my stores because I'm not a believer in it, which has certainly hurt me from a profit perspective. Now I will cover that with within the last year, I have brought in some disposables in salt nick, but it's not what I focus on. It's not what I believe in. It's not the core of my business for me. And that certainly impacts my profit levels, but I'd rather do business the way I want to and break even than peddle something I don't believe in just to turn a profit. Yeah, for sure. Um, so uh, as I mentioned, uh, we have Stacy Hamilton on the line. Uh, Stacy, all you have to do is unmute and we'll, we'll ask you the same questions uh, and, and get your perspective on all of this. Um, just tap on the microphone button at the bottom there. Awesome. Stacy, how's it Hello. Going? Good. How is everybody tonight? <laughs> We're working through the technical issues. And I will say, anybody who's not speaking, uh, if you put your, uh, if you mute your microphone, that'll make things go a little easier. Um, we'll keep you as speakers uh, if you want to jump in, but um, that helps everything. So, uh, as I mentioned at the top of the hour, um, you know, you were sort of the impetus for, for, for doing this, this topic. Uh, because of what you guys are going through or, or almost had to go through in Alabama. And I know you have some other history with uh, a Tennessee and Alabama, um, but just for so folks, you know, get to know you, um, which I know you're involved in the advocacy aspect of this and, 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 and what's your background? How long have you been a shop owner? What are you doing advocacy wise and, and, and how are things going with your shops? I've been a shop owner for close to 10 years now. I had two stores and Murfreesboro, Tennessee, and one store in Florence, Alabama. The store in Florence has since closed. COVID, Avali, and a whole host of other things. It just got to be too much. But uh, for the past two years, I've actually been involved in CBD. For any of you who aren't familiar with Operation Candy Crush, Rutherford County, you can uh, watch on YouTube as I'm being arrested on four felonies for selling CBD, Charlotte's Web, no THC which of course instantly made me very passionate about it. And one of the things that, that's happened is, is our roadmap has changed. We are out here every day. We visit five to seven vape shops every day. We visited over a thousand just in Florida alone. 
And what we're seeing is a huge transition. The, the stores that are, are staying true to vape shop, which is what we always wanted, um, aren't surviving. And the ones that are diversifying and picking up CBD and Delta 8 and those types of products seem to be doing a lot better. Yeah, glass. Um, there's a lot of different things that, that they're doing to try to reinvent themselves. And it's frustrating as someone who was so very passionate about the industry. I serve on the board of the Vapor Technology Association. I represent small businesses. Um, we've got some great things coming down with VTA. I'm really excited about it. But I'm also the president of the Breathe Easier Alliance of Alabama. And we have had our struggles. Um, we've beat back bans. We've beat right, um, flavor bans. We've beat taxes. We've, we've just really been in the trenches fighting a lot. We, we do have the benefit of having a a really understanding and supportive legislative body for small businesses. And we actually are very hopeful. We don't have anything in writing yet, but it looks very much like the synthetic nicotine bill that we've been dealing with is going to be off the table. I don't know for sure yet, but that's, that's the word that we have directly from the sponsor of the bill's mouth is that he's, he's looking to kick the can down the road another year based on the fact that the FDA is being sued by so many people that they're, they're actually afraid that their, their law will become obsolete based on these different um, lawsuits that are happening. And then we also had a bill to completely ban all Delta-8 products, and we're working with that sponsor, and I think we have a really good solution to kill that as well. That's awesome. I, and, and, uh, and good points for, for other states that are seeing the synthetic nicotine uh, legislation, which in some cases is banned. Other cases, it's basically folding it in with um, other tobacco regulations. Sometimes that's common sense and sometimes it's above and beyond. Um, but, uh, you know, one of the things, you know, given, given your exposure to all of these different vape shops uh, and, you know, the thousand you mentioned in Florida, um, What's what's happening to their customers? Are they are they continuing? Are they coming back to and, and maybe settling for the flavors that are available? Or are they are they wandering back to smoking? Are they are they going to the illicit market? What's uh, what are shops seeing? I think that most shops and consumers have banked on being able to hang on to synthetic nicotine. That's what's keeping my stores open. Um, unfortunately, we've had some difficulty getting access to synthetic nicotine for small businesses at a reasonable price, but I'm working on that. And I have, I have a possible solution for some, um, through a VTA program that will, that will help with access. I'm actually, unfortunately, not at liberty to discuss it because it's all still being built and put together. But I think that we're going to have better access at a more reasonable price that's going to continue to allow these products. The problem is the states are stepping in. We have Altria that's pushing really hard. These, it, it's a very specific language that they're pushing. It's um, essentially banning synthetic nicotine. Um, and uh, Lindsay Shroud uh, shared with one of our board members how many donations Altria has made and for the amounts that they've made for what they are actually to, to get these bill, bills put forward in the state and different states. Um, we saw one for $25,000. We saw one for 30. And I think we even saw one for 40,000. 
unfortunately, Alabama's legislator, he was bought for $1,000, bless his heart. <laughs> <laughs> I think I heard that that story. Um, yeah, for sure. It's a cheap date down there in Alabama. Um, <laughs> so wait, you can buy a you can buy a politician in Alabama for a grant. I need to okay. figure out what what I want to have done in Alabama. Then. Right, I know. Um, but he didn't understand that it would eliminate small businesses, and that seems to be legislators, especially. I, I'm a little more familiar in red states than blue, but in red states, the idea after COVID and everything else has destroyed so many small businesses they're super sensitive to the idea that it's going to put people out of business um so we've gotten a lot of really good feedback with that we've gotten we've had some really good successes that's that's good to hear and and because i you know i i think we all are maybe you know tentatively expecting this at the federal level um but but certainly you know states are going to have to we're going to have to duke this out in the States first. Um, I so. honestly think Altria went through the States because they felt it was too heavy of a lift on a federal level. I'm sure that can change very quickly, but I don't think that they felt like they could gain the support. Yet. Yeah. I mean, opening up the tobacco control act is, is kind of a, a heavy, heavy lift from, from what I understand and what we've heard in the past. Um, but you know, it wouldn't put it past um, you know some of our our uh, our foes uh, to manufacture some sort of panic to make it seem a lot more critical. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So L- Logan, I think I cut you off earlier. Do you have a question? No, I was just going to say that that really ties into a, a conversation that we had in the past um, about knowing your audience when you're talking to legislators and policymakers uh, as, as far as talking points and things go. Um, we had we had done uh, a segment on that, I, I believe, a while ago, probably digging into the past year there. But, um, you know, whether you're talking to more progressive uh, folks on the left or, or more conservative folks on the right, um, you know, like Stacy just mentioned, talking to uh, – you know, more, more conservative policymakers, um, small businesses, things like that are definitely a really good talking point. Yeah. yeah and with, sure. with the, with the synthetic, uh, you know, bills, especially, I think it's these, most of these policymakers still to this day, don't know much about vape. Some do, but very, very few. And so, you know, it's probably approached to, the way they're approached by by lobbies in these states is it's a no brainer, but they don't understand the implications unless they're explained to like, hey, this is going to put out, you know, tons of uh, mom and pop shops out of business. I have a direct quote from one of our legislators. I was hoodooed. <laughs> yeah. And, and from, a, from a business perspective, you know, I, I totally understand why Altria wants this. I mean, you know, from from a business perspective, it's just not great for for THR. But they're you know they obviously don't don't want to have to compete with a bunch of products that don't have to get PMTAs. And there's there's also a level of you know sort of corporate accountability there. You know, uh, cigarette makers are I think to some ex- extent expected to police the illicit market, uh, and so you know synthetic nicotine has been framed as this workaround 
uh, to regulations, which I, I think to your average person sounds very much uh, like an illegal product. Um, and so I, I think, uh, you know, definitely, you know, the, the, the eliminating competition is certainly a valid point, but also the optics of going after people who have been um, framed as, as bad actors, um, when in reality, and I, I, I remember this from um, the Michigan committee hearing that, that uh, uh, both Mark and, and Jim McDonald were at, um, was that, you know, to one of our thoughts on this is that, um, you know, people who are going to be viewed as breaking the law in either manufacturing uh, nicotine e-liquids uh, or selling them or simply just getting them for themselves are, you know, the motivation is not purely money. Um, certainly, if you're going to put yourself at risk, uh, you deserve some compensation. Um, but uh, for the most part, you know, this is this is about self-defense. Um, you know, I have to, you know, my heart and, and gratitude goes out to anybody who is running a vapor shop, especially now. Uh, and, and I know that, you know, the, the three people that we've had speaking here, I know that your motivations are about making sure that that your customers have access to safer products. Um, and and I, you know, I can't sit here and condone breaking the law, but I can absolutely justify it. My father was my favorite customer. Um, he had smoked for better than 50 years. He would end up in ICU almost every single year because he wouldn't um, he wouldn't go to the hospital because, of course, they wouldn't allow him to smoke. And that was a problem for him. So um, he was in ICU and I had just opened my first store and I had my aunt take him a vape. And after that, he became super passionate. He used to sit outside a Cracker Barrel in Florence and tell people that they should come and see me, that I would I would help them quit smoking great advertising that's that's, Um, really amazing it is but i had to close that store um my father's since passed away and i closed that store and that 80 year old man last week called me and he was sobbing i mean openly weeping because we had helped him quit smoking and then the store was gone and he only liked that one flavor of juice and he said i don't know what to do I, i don't i don't know and so of course i figured out a way around it um probably wouldn't admit to breaking the law on <laughs> on a public forum, but um, I'm getting him as juice. I mean, we're all being forced to make such difficult decisions. And, and it's like being put in a rock in a hard space. We've got, we have these people now who are really dependent on not having to smoke anymore. And, and they've seen the difference in their lives and their health and they're desperate. And, and I mean, closing the store really did open my eyes for the desperate calls and messages that we got. And it really broke my heart. Yeah. And I, you know, that's it, it's similar stories we've heard from, from several, several other people. And I mean, even before FDA deeming took effect, I, I remember, um, you know, Chicago had the particularly horrible vaping campaign and, um, you know, shop owners there were, uh, they were having people come into their stores and, and throw product at them and, and accusing them of lying. And, um, you know, all because of, you know, some billboards calling vaping poison. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's just, it's heartbreaking to see people be so 
callously manipulated. Um, and, and, you know, I, the other thing is I, you know, it's just, I don't think any of us ever imagined it would be this hard to quit smoking. I mean, we knew it was hard to begin with, but this, this is just kind of beyond the pale. Yeah. I've heard of several vape owners having, you know, been threatened. I remember one guy, I think it was Florida, like had his life threatened, had to call the cops or something after, you know, there people were, were convinced that these guys were selling kids poison. So that's their, obviously the gut reaction of the public, um, but it was irresponsible reporting. In 2019 and 2020, when I was suing the state and my governor and health and human services to stop the flavor ban, I received dozens of death threats. Dozens. Almost every single day for months. Well, I'm really glad none of those came to fruition, Mark. I'm really happy you're still with us. Well, I have to tell you, every single threat I got over the phone, if I answered the call or I found the number on, um, uh, what do you call it, caller ID, um, I would call them back and uh, invite them down to the shop to uh, make good on that threat. Every single one of them. Sadly, nobody took me up on it. Yeah, it's just wild because it was when I started vaping, you know, like, 2012 2013-ish times like it was like viewed as a noble thing you know it was people were proud to open a vape shop and passionate about it then you know you fast forward six seven years and all of a sudden people think they're poison peddlers you know trying to uh trying to addict their kids and so i can only imagine the emotions that that a lot of the longtime vape vape shop owners have, have gone through It's been really, really awful. Um, I will say that in order to survive and to continue doing what we're passionate about, diversification is so vital. Um, going into the vape shops that have been so loyal to just vape, I'm only going to do vape. At some point, you know, they're just not going to make it. They were the saddest um, stores that we've been in. And it just, it's heartbreaking because they're still so dedicated and passionate about it. And, and I mean, it makes me proud for them, but it makes me really, really sad that they're not going to make it. A dedicated vape shop is in in many places just can't survive. Yeah. We were talking about that before you jumped on and it's like, it's so much better to diversify than to just shut your doors. Then that, you know, maybe some customers will be turned off by it, uh, you know, or, or maybe some people will complain or, or bitch about it, but it's like the alternative is not existing at all. So what are you going to do? We actually did a survey for our stores before we started bringing new product in and, and kind of ex- in the survey and the questions that we asked, we led them to understand that we were in a position that we could no longer survive just doing vape shop and some gave us some pushback but during covid my store numbers dropped down to 100 150 a day at at some times and now we're back up to heyday sales just by diversifying and picking up some different things that people were really interested in unfortunately that really blurs the lines you know are you are you a vape shop advocate or, or are you 
a CBD advocate? Do you advocate for Delta 8? You've got all these things in your store now and you're really dependent on it. So which direction do you go? It's yeah, a very I, tough call. I think it might, it's just, it's, it might be the model going forward for a while. I mean, maybe we'll see, you know, down the road, a, a resurgence of, of, you know, just, just straight vape shops, but you know, it's, it's better than no access at all. And, uh, well, I think it depends on where you're at and yeah, how you approach sure, it. Sure. Um, I, I didn't diversify. Um, although I, I carried a small amount of glass at the request of some of my older customers who were uncomfortable going into head shops and, and dispensaries, but were comfortable in my shop. So I, I brought in a little bit of glass several years ago, uh, long before uh, 2019 when things started to get really bad. But I've made no changes. I focus strictly on helping people to quit smoking. And while I experienced uh, about a 40% drop over 2019 and early 2020 due to um, the flavor ban and all the negative press here in Michigan, um, since then I've more than doubled my sales. Wow, that's fantastic. And, and wow. not by diversifying and, and not even, I don't advertise. Um, all of my customers are either walk-in, word-of-mouth, or Bernie brings them in off the street. That's amazing. Yeah, I think, I think every vape shop needs a Bernie in their window. <laughs> uh, you would not believe the difference she has made. Uh, it is absolutely mind-blowing. The atmosphere, um, I think it's increased our success rate and um, definitely brought in many new quitters, uh, especially uh, females. I probably had about 35% female clientele. I now have probably 60, 65%. And it changed immediately with Bernie in my window. They just, they can't resist those sweet puppy eyes. Uh, I wouldn't I be able to either. I wouldn't be able to either. Oh my goodness. She's adorable. And run in to see her because they saw her as they were driving by. Um, it's made a huge difference. And not only all of that, um, definitely makes the, the shop experience better and all of that. But um, she has now uh, brought in 33 customers herself right off the street that saw her read the little sign that she lays under and walked in and quit. Yeah. That's I, fantastic. I don't, I don't diversifying think, uh, and dog in the window, you guys. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think, uh, I don't think doggy in the window is part of big tobacco's playbook. So um, just add that to the, the list of things that vaping is not, not like, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, Altria doesn't have a Bernie. That's for sure. Nope. Mm -hmm. Um, so well, I anyway, think I uh, think just every uh, oh sorry go ahead Alex no go ahead go ahead oh just just to, on that point I think it's definitely I think it just depends on the shop and where it's at you know how much competition you have but uh, I think it's good to accept all kinds of shops like back four or five six years ago a lot of the vaping purists were really against like some of the diversification but um, 
I think uh, we kind of have to accept that it's different everywhere and whatever that owner uh, needs to do to survive, they should do. Anyway, I got to drop off for dinner, so I'm going to let you guys go, but uh, it was nice chatting with everybody. Thanks, Matt. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, I, I still fall back on that idea, you know, with a diversified shop that when you cater to a broader audience of people, you just open those doors um, to more people who maybe, you know, uh, maybe they had no uh, inkling to walk into a, a dedicated vape shop prior to that. But now that this shop also carries glass or dry herb or CBD or Delta eight, uh, now that they're in those doors, you know, uh, now that, you know, we're meeting people where they are, uh, they have an opportunity then if they're also smoking, uh, to, to check out these other nicotine products that they have in that shop. Um, and I know Matt said, you know, that, that, that can turn some people off and things like that, but you know, I, and I, and I get that, but I, I guess I kind of cling to that. They can only be a good thing, I guess, really ultimately, I guess, I guess in my, I, I'm not a vape shop owner or anything like that. So I, I don't know exactly. If, if you see a lot of people that way, if a lot of people come in maybe looking for glass or looking for alternative products and kind of stumble into this nicotine vaping realm, is that, is that something, um, Stacy, that you see? Absolutely. Uh, that, that has been huge in helping our business. Um, we really take pride in the fact that we have the lowest cost, um, lowest prices on all delta eight and cbd products is pretty nice when you're seed to sale you have a lot of flexibility and that has brought that that's really dramatically increased our um vape sales they come in for one thing but they definitely are willing to talk with us on on vape um so we've been able to convert a lot more people a whole host more people so that's been a benefit for us we've been able to continue to help people quit smoking so, you know, one of the questions I, that was sort of rattling around my head here was, you know, we, we were talking about perceptions and, and of course, people's um, misperceptions of, of, of risk largely attributable to the lung injury cases. Um, and, and, and I think the inevitable question is, what can people do to kind of push back on that? But it seems like you've sort of created a natural or taken advantage of a natural touch point there with, um, you know, selling CBD to shops and having this conversation about diversifying in that, you know, you're actually creating opportunities to be in front of people and, and correct the record and, um, and, you know, realign their perceptions of risk with reality. Um, and, and so I, I maybe, you know, maybe not so much a question there as it is, you know, well, I guess it is a question, you know, is, is, is diversifying, yet another opportunity for shop owners and, and even customers to to get in and on you know in, on a very organic word of mouth way um start correcting people's perceptions where you know the cdc and other health agencies are, are not doing their job i definitely think it's an amazing opportunity you know we're seeing a massive surge especially here in the south with tobacco shops opening up and they're selling it all i mean everything kratom kava um they're selling glass they're selling anything that can get you high and anything that can help you pass a drug test and and lie about being having been high um but they're selling disposables like crazy still we in talking to these shop owners just the tobacco shop owners their number one sales are the exact same as mine 
they're selling disposables and they're selling Delta eight. That's that, that has been their recipe for success. And I mean, vape shop owners have to take a look at that and see the opportunities, not just to survive and save money, but to continue to help people. So I'm curious, you know, in these, in these tobacco shops, um, you know, are, are people having the same conversations about switching in a, in a, in a you know, sell everything under the sun kind of retail environment or? No, or they have, they have zero education, zero. Um, wow. But I, you know, they can discuss cannabis strains with me all day long and, and they, I, I actively research terpenes and, and minor cannabinoids and, and I have a very analytical point of view and they can out talk me a lot of times, but you ask them about vaping. They don't have a clue. This is what we have. You pick. They have no advice, no information, no help, no questions about, you know, are you a passive or active smoker? You know, what's your lifestyle like? Nothing. None of the questions that, that a vape shop worker or owner would ask. They're not getting any of that. You pick what you want and take it and go, which is why their disposable sales are so high. Yeah, that's uh, I guess that's something I hadn't really thought about is the the knowledge that comes with the, the staff in a dedicated vape shop. Um, in some of these locations that are, are becoming more, um, Delta eight CBD cannabis, uh, kind of shops, kind of losing some of that, that dedicated vape shop knowledge. Is that, is that something you, you see that you worry about? Um, I see it on a daily basis and it yeah. is very concerning and when we go into shops i'm actually there to sell our cbd and delta eight line and i can't help i can't help myself i mean it's ingrained in me after all of these years i immediately step in and open my mouth i can't just in my nature it's like you can't you can't send them out of there with that without explaining to them what they're supposed to do i've helped people put their entire setups together um and i don't work there i'm not you know Definitely not my store, but I don't want somebody to walk away with a vaping device that they don't understand. Yeah, and that was a lot of, um, you know, the arguments for, uh, I guess, you know, we're sort of getting back into the purists, but, uh, you know, I, I, we, you know, for Kassaw's position, I think it's great that there are disposable, very easily accessible products that are sold right next to cigarettes in a convenience store. But, um, you know, all of us, everybody involved here, probably everybody listening to this has probably always said, you know, to really get the the, the instruction and support that that people need. uh, It really is best to visit a vape shop with knowledgeable people. And, um, you know, you sort of bring up another point here. Um, You know, we're looking at potentially going to a a trade show um, that is mainly going to be tobacco retailers, um, not not a vape show. Um, and you know, this this is giving me some inspiration and ideas, you know, to take through that, um, in that, you know, we need to go around to some of these retailers and and really have a conversation about, um, you know, what kind of support education, the interview process, all of the stuff that goes along with, um, getting somebody to switch to the smoke free product. Um, and, and this is, you know, this is potentially, you know, now that, now, now that diversification is, is a necessity, um, we've got a whole new group of people that need a lot of education about this, uh, as you highlighted, Stacy. Thank you. 
You're welcome. I really do think that vape shop owners could benefit their customers and themselves by looking at other avenues besides vape for smoking cessation and tobacco harm reduction. There are a lot of different avenues and a lot of different opportunities out there. And, and I'm really looking at those. Anything I can do to help someone quit smoking, be it vaping or anything else, I think that it's vital. I mean, just the, just the harm reduction in and of itself is vital to, to people's health. And I, I'm very passionate about it. I think I started out maybe with not, not quite such an education, trial by fire, if you will. But I, I feel very passionately that anything that we can do to get folks to stop smoking combustible cigarettes is huge. That's one of the reasons that I'm such a huge fan and advocate of CASA. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't want to speak for Alex or, or, or necessarily CASA as a whole. But I, on, a, on a personal level, I would love to be able to walk into a shop uh, and, and have not only you know, disposables available to me, but, uh, you know, coils, rebuildables, mods, all of that stuff on top of being able to pick up a, a can of snooze or nicotine pouches or, uh, or a heat, not burn product. You know, I, I would love to kind of be able to walk into an all in one, uh, tobacco harm reduction shop. I think that's, that's something that, uh, we really don't see yet. Or, or if there are shops out there, I, you know, I don't see them. Uh, they definitely are in my area. Uh, but that's something I, I would love to see. But I understand a lot of people's hesitancy. I, I understand a lot of people's dedication to, um, you know, vapor products uh, only. Um, and I'm not I guess I'm not trying to knock that in any way. That's still a, a, an incredibly honorable thing. Um, but I guess on a personal level, I would love to I would love to walk into a shop and be like, oh, yeah, I need a, you know, I need a bottle of this. I need a, a tin of my nicotine pouches. And, oh, I'll grab one of those disposables while I'm here because I have a road trip this week you know, that kind of thing. Um, so not only diversifying within, you know, just moving from nicotine into CBD and things like that, but also diversifying within that tobacco harm reduction product category, I, I think is, um, I think would be really cool, cool thing to see. And if there are shops out there that are doing that good on you. <laughs> um, I just, uh, sourced, uh, nicotine pouches, snooze locally. Fantastic. I'm be offering them in my shop. Yeah, that's incredible. I mean, I know I know Alex no longer vapes, but um, you know he's he's somebody that uses snus regularly, daily, um, and, and I do on occasion, and I use nicotine pouches pretty regularly too. So you know, for me, if I need to go kind of stock up on nicotine products, it's a multi-location trip. You know, I got to go over here. I got to go get my pouches. I got to go over here if I'm going to go get uh, you know grab a disposable this week. I got to go all the way out here if I'm going to go get bottles of e-liquid. Being able to go to a kind of one stop, um, I, I, I think, also helps, too. Um, and it, it, it opens up more conversation about these products as well to people. You know, if you're if you're unfamiliar with pouches or things like that, and you're you know, you're you're vaping, but you're like, well, I still have these parts in my like from personal experience. I use pouches a lot as a landscaper when I'm in areas around job sites where I can't vape. Uh, for instance, if I'm if I'm doing work at a school or on school grounds, you know, I can't be vaping outside of <laughs> outside of a high school window. Um, but I can have a, a pouch in discreetly and, and get my work done and be satisfied and not be distracted by cravings, things like that. Um, so they're really helpful for me in a lot of those situations. 
but unfortunately, like I said, it's a, you know, it's a, it's a roundabout thing. I got to make multiple trips. Um, but also I'm sure that there are, you know, thousands of other people just like me where they're like, man, I wish I had a product like this, but I don't know about it. And if more shops were apt to carrying, uh, you know, a wider range of products like that and, and we're knowledgeable on them as well, it creates a, a whole array of, of conversations that people can have. I agree. And it's amazing opportunity for the vape shop owner to continue what they feel passionately about, which ultimately bottom line is tobacco harm reduction. I mean, I'm, I love vaping. Um, but I have multiple different nicotine products to, you know, in my war chest for depending on where I am, I have a lot of health issues. So I have to be at doctor's office is a lot. You can't vape. I don't care how discreet you are. You can't vape in those. They'll get you. Um, but a nicotine pouch, I can do that. No one's going to say anything to me about that. And then I can stay calm. I don't have that anxiety of not having it. And I've got to get out of here. And, you know, I just get to the point where I'm not listening anymore to what the doctor's telling me. I'm like, I got to go. So those things, I think that they're, they're amazing. And I think that, that they're very helpful. And I think that vape shop owners could hugely benefit from educating themselves on them and just broadening their horizons a little bit. Because at the end of the day, getting people off combustible cigarettes is the goal. Yep. By any means, by any means whatsoever. Um, and, and carrying those products, you know, you may, you may find people switch over to your pet vaping anyway from snooze or whatever. Um, you never know. But anything you can get to bring people in. Um, I wanted to throw this out here because you're talking about diversification. I've had this conversation with other shop owners. Um, you know, you want to create opportunities for people to uh, discover vaping. And um, I know at least one person that sells cigarettes because it's an opportunity. Every smoker that comes in to buy a pack of cigarettes to introduce them to vaping and they get a lot of people to switch. Yeah. 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 I mean, that, that's, that, that's kind of a, I mean, you know, one of the things that I, I wish, uh, you know, we had more, more leverage or, or louder voice on is, um, you know, in, encouraging or, or, you know, strongly encouraging, uh, the cigarette companies to compete with themselves. And, and, you know, I, I, there's a gas station up the street from me and they've ne I don't think they've ever carried a vapor product. Um, and, and I, I would like to see, um, you know, tobacco companies more aggressively put smoke-free products front and center on what is known as the power wall behind the cash register. And I know, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of vape shop owners out there who absolutely just cringe at the idea of carrying a combustible product, but, um, you know, it very much is in the spirit of meeting people where they are. Yeah, that's they're your they're the they're the people you want. They're the people you're trying to get in your door. Um, yeah. That's probably, <clears throat> sadly, the most effective way to get people in your door. It comes down to the analogy of sinners belong in church. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> But I mean, this is this is a conversation that we've had at Casa uh, countless times um, about you know one of the, the the pillars the 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 real one of the core pillars of harm reduction whether we're talking about tobacco harm reduction or drug harm reduction or or whatever is meeting people where they're at and you know when we started seeing um, you know more pod based systems and things like this being sold in gas stations convenience stores right next to cigarettes. 
um, I saw a lot of people have an issue in that. And I, I think a lot of people were like, you know, these products belong in adult stores only, tobacconists, uh, they belong in vape shops only kind of thing. But really meeting people where they're at, having those products right next to, you know, the, the cigarettes that they're buying ultimately is only a good thing for people who smoke to have those products readily available. And we've also, um, you know, had the discussion about how so many people buy a product at the gas station, whatever that, that vapor product may be. And maybe it doesn't work for them. Maybe it's not the end all be all, but for a lot of people, it's a starting point and it is definitely enough for them to get curious enough to walk through the doors of a vape shop and start asking questions and looking into other systems and things like that. I see it all the time. People coming from, uh, you know, enjoys or, or disposables that they picked up in a gas station and it's helped them to quit a little bit or cut down on particular cigarettes or whatever, you know, like while they're driving or at work. And eventually they wander into my shop looking for a better um, alternative. Happens all the time. I, I can actually add to that and say that roughly 70% of the first-time visits looking for vape products. I have to qualify that because my Delta 8 is almost equal to my um, e-liquid sales. But the 70% have been to a convenience store. They have bought one of the products there and they liked it, but it wasn't enough to get them there, but it was enough to make them walk through the door and let me educate them. Sure. Sure. Maybe, maybe they're looking for something with a bigger capacity or, um, you know, more cloud, uh, something warmer, more flavor options. You know, the, the second you open the, the doors to open systems to people, it's, you know, it's a whole new world. Um, but I mean, from from a starting point, from a harm reduction point, those products absolutely need to be right, right, readily available wherever cigarettes are sold. And uh, and, and closing them off and, and boxing them into, you know, only adult stores, only vape shops, things like that, really, uh, from a public health standpoint, uh, really narrows the scope of people that we're going to help. And unfortunately, I see legislation moving that way more and more. I agree to, agree with you. The exposure is critical. They need to be exposed to those products. And I don't care where it's at, Sam's Club, Walmart, convenience store. I don't care. That exposure to me is critical. But legislators are backing us into a corner and putting these products in T21 and up only stores. And I feel like that's just... It's deadly because people won't ever get curious enough with no exposure. A, a good majority of people won't get curious enough to come into the vape shop and say, hey, I want to quit smoking. What do you have? And from the early days, I mean, that was much, to me a much bigger deal. I think today people understand vaping and as much as the media and our government may demonize it. I think that the average consumer is a little more savvy. Yeah, I, I, I hope so. Um, it seems that, you know, hopefully we're dealing with like a vocal minority here um, that, that are, you know, these are the people that are running the campaigns and, and it's, it's, uh, you know, I've certainly met, um, you know, sciencey type folks who they know better than to pay attention to the uh, activist groups um, they, they're going to come to their own conclusions about this, which is good. Um, and I, I did just want to jump in. Usually we keep this thing to an hour, 
um, and we've gone well past that. Um, but I did. I don't want to interrupt the. You know, this is a good conversation and, and, and really useful um, for a lot of folks. Um, and I did want to, you know, potentially end on a note here for folks that are not vape shop owners who um, are equally passionate about uh, tobacco harm reduction uh, and these products. Is that, um, you know, and, and you guys can correct me if I'm wrong, but um, you know, this is part of the consumer power. Uh, if you have a vape shop in your 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 town, your neighborhood that, uh, you know, you yourself are probably worried about whether or not they're going to survive all of this. Um, certainly you have the ability to recommend products other than vapor that, that are smoke free and low risk and, and, and suggest that they carry those products. Um, and, and, you know, if there, are, if there are things that you want, certainly a retailer is, is going to do what they can to, to get your business. Um, and, and so I think this is, you know, this is an opportunity for, for us, um, to, as consumers to, you know, <laughs> not really save vape shops, but, um, in a way, you know, continue to protect our access to smoke-free products. Um, and that will mean, of course, you know, consumers, um, being curious and, and trying other products and then, you know, recommending them to their local retailers. Um, I don't know if that, if that works for you guys, but. Oh yeah, it's a shop owner. I I second that. Um, talk to talk to your shops. Tell them what they want. I I love hearing from my customers. Um, you know, I want to provide what they want and what they need. Sometimes that's difficult. And uh, you ask anybody in my shop who spoke up, I do my best to get what they're looking for every time. Nice. I make jokes with my customers that we're a democracy in our stores. Um, when, when people ask and keep asking for stuff, we're going to bring it in, uh, regardless of whether it's in line with necessarily what our initial thought was. Um, the vape community was and still is an amazing place to be. And I absolutely love it and will passionately fight for it with everything I have until the bitter end. But at the end of the day, it's, it is the consumer. It's the end user that we all need to focus on and when they're asking for for products we need to tr as business owners we need to try to provide them yeah excellent points and uh i i hope we've at least allowed this conversation to run its course for now um i will start the wrap up here um and first of all thank our speakers for participating thank you mark stacy and dave uh uh from Pennsylvania chiming in and, and contributing to thank you for taking time out of your busy evenings. Um, very much appreciate it. And thank you for everybody. Uh, thank you to everybody for listening. Um, and uh, I don't know how long it takes us to get this up on the website, but we are putting these recordings up on Kassad.org. Also for those uh, who are maybe uh, brand new to this or maybe new to the idea that smokeless tobacco is actually harm reduction, um, please check out Kasa.org, C-A-S-A-A.org. We have an entire section on smokeless tobacco, um, correcting the misperceptions of risk. Uh, and of course, along with that, uh, once you get to the bottom of all of that, don't take our word for it. Go check out Dr. Brad Radu. Um, Dr. Carl Phillips is another a uh, person who has been working in, in the tobacco harm reduction space for well over a decade. Um, both of those folks, both of those people are very knowledgeable uh, and have written extensively on the topic, um, not just smokeless tobacco, but all tobacco harm reduction. 
Uh, and of course, once you identify some products that you might like to try, take it down to your local vape shop and ask if they'll stock it for you. Um, so with that, uh, any, any closing thoughts or should we just end it here? No, I think, I think this is a great place to end it. Um, as far as when it'll go up, uh, I, I think Danielle is trying something else here, uh, uh, from, from our last inaugural Twitter space to this one, as far as getting the, the actual recordings. Um, but once, once I have that raw recording, um, I'll, I'll have it edited. It'll be up on SoundCloud and from there it'll go up on the site. So, uh, maybe a few days tops. We're going to, we're going to get this process a little more fine tuned the more that we do these. So awesome. Yeah. And, um, just a reminder for folks, we're, uh, we're doing these Twitter spaces every two weeks. When you see the tweet go out, uh, click on the set a reminder. Uh, and of course, uh, if we do happen to broadside any of you guys with a request to come on, just make sure that you're getting on to the Twitter space via mobile app. And we, of course, will walk you through all of the technical issues that we ourselves are experiencing uh, in order to get you to speak. Um, so uh, if that's all, if there are no uh, burning issues or any other things to share, uh, I think this is probably a good place to call it a night. Hey, I have one little factoid. Um, before right. I came on, you guys were talking about the um, drop in the number of shops. Yeah. Right? And um, I yep. just went back and compared the two VTA um, uh, reports that were done by, I forget who it is now, but the two VTA reports on the industry, and they note 2019 shops, 14,000, 2021 shops, 8,300. So a significant drop. Yeah. That's a precipitous drop. I had remembered that 14,000 number. I just couldn't remember what year it was from. So thank, thanks, Mark. I had yeah, it floating in my head. I was like, I knew it was 14-something. I just couldn't pinpoint what year that was. Uh, another fun fact, um, I think in 2015, when we were looking into you know, what we needed to do in order to get Casa into shops or, or how we were going to um, kind of you know, branch out to getting shops in, involved in promoting the, the consumer side of this, um, I, I think I had a list of almost 18,000 shops and, and that for sure was an undercount. Um, so yeah, the, the, the prevalence of vapor shops in the United States has absolutely dropped by more than half since 2015. Uh, and most of that I'm, I'm sure happening in the last two to three years, which is sad, but thanks. Mark. Well, now we got to end it on a low note, you guys. That's sad. Well, no, no. We'll, we'll go back to the high note. Tobacco Harm, okay. everybody. There's more than just yes. vaping out there. <laughs> Try it. Buy it. Encourage your shops to carry it. Uh, take care of one another. Um, and thank you all for listening.